today on the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. What your microbiome has co-evolved with you to do are a wide variety of functions that are sort of pivotal to your health. If you think about it, everything you eat is first metabolized by your stomach and then by your microbiome. And so if you don't have these bugs, you're actually missing the things that help you metabolize your food fully effectively. And so what ends up happening is that I should say it's not just antibiotics. They're kind of the most potent way that you can disrupt your microbiome, but there's other ways your microbiome gets disrupted. Hello, hello. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Jones. And today I'm talking with Dr. Colleen Cutcliffe, the CEO and co-founder of the uber cool microbiome company called Pendulum. Dr. Cutcliffe is a scientist with a PhD in biochemistry and microbiology from Johns Hopkins University. She's held senior positions at multiple bioscience and pharmaceutical firms. Her company, Pendulum, are the only makers of Acromancia, and honestly, some other pretty cool microbiome metabolic products as well. In fact, they were kind enough to gift me some bottles after the fact, which I have been taking pretty faithfully the last month and definitely noticed a positive shift in my digestion. I was absolutely thrilled to have her on for my own nerd curiosity, given what I know about Acromancia, gut health, and even your glucose health. In fact, I have a code for you. When you go to pendulum.com or hit that link in the show notes, you can use root 20. That's R O O T two zero root 20. You'll get 20% off your next purchase. But before we get started, I want to talk to you about something that comes up pretty often on this podcast. And that of course are all sorts of supplements besides pendulum. In fact, there's a lot of confusion around supplements. And of course, you only want to take the best quality that uses top tier certified manufacturers and most importantly, do third party independent testing to make sure what's on the label is in the capsule. That's why I have teamed up with New Ethics Formulations as their chief medical officer. The team already had a strong history in the supplement world, but started the company to really focus on battering your health and helping to enhance your physique or performance goals. I'm excited to help them continue to focus on the endocrine system and hormones as it relates to glucose, thyroid, estrogen, and even your gut microbiome. Right now, you can get 20% off of one order using code DRJONES20. That's DRJONES20, DRJONES20 at newethics.com. Newethics is N-U, ethix.com. Now, let's get on with the show. Dr. Colleen Cutcliffe, I am so excited to have you on the Root Cause Medicine podcast. I have been following your company, your work, Acromancia, for a while. And I just am glad that you're finally on so I can quite literally pick your brain with all the nerd things that I've been thinking about. And I know that the listeners have questions about as well. Well, thank you so much for having me and I'm excited to dig in with you. Oh my gosh. Well, gut health, I mean, as you know, has been a super hot topic of conversation as it relates to everything, even just the superficial things people talk about, digestion, absorption, all the way down into major inflammation, autoimmune, immune activation, cancer, et cetera. And so I think that people listening, as I was saying sort of off camera, people listening generally have a lot more of that educated edge to them. They know what a lot of these words mean, and they probably have seen the ads on social media for Pendulum. And I want everyone who's listening to know that this definitely is not a giant marketing piece for Pendulum. I truly do have a lot of questions around 
the product in the Keystone strain Acromancia, which is what she is going to talk about today. Because some of you may have done some sort of stool testing that has Acromancia as a byline or just have a lot of questions around what exactly is a Keystone species? What does Acromancia do? I keep hearing about it and that's what we're going to jump in. So again, I just really appreciate your time and attention today. Yes, I'm happy to be here and talk all things microbiome. (laughs) Well, for those who don't know who you are, will you give us an intro? Like, how did you even get into this in the first place? And how did this anaerobic bacteria, how did you corral it and harness it to get it out there to the people? Yeah, so my background is actually in basic science research. I didn't know anything about starting a company when I started this company. (laughs) Uh, what, What I did know was science. And so I have a PhD in biochemistry and molecular biology from Johns Hopkins. I did a postdoc at Northwestern, and then I made my way out to the San Francisco Bay Area. I worked in a pharmaceutical company. We were developing drugs for Parkinson's disease. And then I did what everybody does in Silicon Valley. I joined a startup company, and it was a DNA sequencing instrument company. The company went through really rapid growth, and we went public. And on the other side of that IPO, I started this company, Pendulum, with two co-founders, This was like around 10 years ago when the microbiome and gut health was just starting to emerge. And at a fundamental level, it's actually DNA sequencing technologies that allow us to look at the microbiome in this really in-depth way. So rather than having an old camera, all of a sudden you've got this like high zoom camera where you can really look at what's happening inside the gut and using DNA sequencing tools to do that. And so what we knew is that there was a big opportunity. If you could map the gut microbiome and understand how it interacted with the body, you could come up with all these new interventions and new pathways and things that we've just never known before. And I would say too, for me personally, at a fundamental level, I got excited about the microbiome because as I read more about it, I realized there was sort of a personal relationship for me, which is My older daughter, my first daughter was born almost two months prematurely. She was four and a half pounds when she was born. I got to hold her for a couple of seconds and then she went into intensive care where she spent the first month of her life. And for anybody who's had a preemie, uh, and especially if it's your first baby, it's like an incredibly traumatic experience. You don't know what you're doing to begin with and you really don't know what you're doing with this very fragile baby. One of the things they do in intensive care is they give these preemies multiple doses of antibiotics, not because they have an infection, but because they're really, they're just so fragile, they don't want them to get an infection. And right on the time that I was researching the idea of a microbiome company, a paper came out where they looked at all these children, and these are really infants who were on antibiotic, and they showed that these infants who were on a lot of antibiotics, as they got older, they were more prone to obesity and type 2 diabetes. That study was recently repeated by the Mayo Clinic, and they showed that kids who are on a lot of antibiotics are more prone not just to obesity and diabetes, but to things like ADHD, allergies, asthma, celiac disease. And so there are all these things that are coming out of what this very early thing that you're doing is having these long-term repercussions of, which is this antibiotic treatment. When these kids get these antibiotics, it is completely killing their microbiome. And it turns out they're not able to restore their microbiome like other kids are that don't have these systematic antibiotics. My own daughter, as she got into elementary school, had food sensitivities that the rest of our family did not. So she was always worried about how much dairy was in things. She was the kid at Baskin Robbins who only ate the sherbet if it had low enough dairy amounts. She was constantly trying to eat salads, which of course makes a parent happy, but it makes you sad because your kid is not able to eat everything and have that kind of full rich life that food can bring to you. And it all immediately clicked for me that 
this early start to life where these antibiotics decimated her microbiome meant that she was not only having these food sensitivities, which are an inconvenience, but set up for chronic illnesses later in life. And so it became a no-brainer to start the company. I could help millions of people, including my own daughter. You got to try it at least. Oh my God. And that's me. I had tons of antibiotics as a kid. I had the triad, allergies, eczema, asthma. I've tested, I have never gotten the endoscopy, but I've had the other tests for celiac, which were positive. So I just gave up wheat a long time ago or gluten for that matter. And don't, I still really don't eat dairy to this day. I don't eat soy at all. I'm careful with corn only because I now know the time I didn't know. Why do I have allergies so badly? Oh, you just got them from your dad. My dad, who also went through antibiotics a bunch as a kid and into an adult, why do I get asthma later in life? Why do I have eczema? And then once I went through medical school and learned more about the microbiome, I was like, oh. Huh. <laughs> exactly. Um, yes. So I do want you to go into that more because I don't want to necessarily villainize antibiotics. If you need an antibiotic, you need an antibiotic. You know, if you've got a major infection and that's the one thing that's going to keep you alive, take the antibiotic. But would you explain what are the antibiotics doing to our gut microbiome? And then how is that like going out with this ripple effect for chronic disease, diabetes, obesity, et cetera, the future potential? Absolutely. And I will also caveat by reiterating what you just said, which is that I am not an anti-antibioticer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> antibiotics, if you got an infection, your doctor prescribes it because you don't want to die of a bacterial infection that we certainly know how to cure. But what is happening when you take it? Maybe the evolution of antibiotics is really important because what's happened over time is antibiotics have gotten more kind of broad spectrum, meaning they can kill more and more different kinds of bugs so that there's kind of fewer choices you have to make. If you have an infection, your doctor doesn't have to have to figure out exactly what is the strain they have an infection from and then figure out you know, exactly which antibiotic to give to you. There's this, these super potent antibiotics that kill a lot of bacteria. The downside to that is that when you take an antibiotic, they are extremely potent and it's basically like a nuclear bomb on your microbiome. It is killing pretty much everything there. And so you now have this empty vessel. And you might say, well, but you started out as an empty vessel and you filled this thing with microbes. Like, what difference does it make if later on? And I think we don't fully know the answer to that. But we do know is that it's not the same. And we know that if you take a bunch of antibiotics, your microbiome does not always reconstitute to what it was in the beginning. And actually, farmers have been using this knowledge for decades. They've been giving their cows antibiotics, not because they're trying to alter their microbiome or because they're infections, but they noticed when they give their cattle antibiotics, they gained weight. And so it's the same thing for us. We actually, not that we're all cows, but we do have this one thing in common, but what your microbiome has co-evolved with you to do are a wide variety of functions that are sort of pivotal to your health. If you think about it, everything you eat is first metabolized by your stomach and then by your microbiome. And so if you don't have these bugs, you're actually missing the things that help you metabolize your food fully effectively. And so what ends up happening is that I should say it's not just antibiotics. They're kind of the most potent way that you can disrupt your microbiome, but there's other ways your microbiome gets disrupted actually just through living. As we age, our microbiome gets depleted. As we go through periods of stress, our microbiome becomes depleted. For women, when we go through menopause, our microbiome get, becomes depleted. Actually, when you travel to different time zones that have different day and night, your microbiome becomes depleted. So there's a lot of reasons why you get depleted. And the negative outcome of this depletion is that now your body cannot metabolize properly all the foods that you're eating. And so it shows up in diseases ranging from GI issues to obesity and metabolic disorders to even neurological disorders. And so it has huge repercussions for our health. And I love that you say that because 
I have heard over and over from patients or from family who are like, if it's microbiome or gut related, and they think it only relates to that area. I don't have bloating, Carrie, so my gut is fine. Or I don't have problems going to the bathroom, so my gut is fine. Meanwhile, they're pre-diabetic or diabetic, or they've been struggling to lose weight for a while, or they have a lot of brain fog, or they've transitioned into menopause and the brain fog is real and the inflammation is real and the symptoms and side effects are real. But that because they feel their GI is okay, you know, it's a very systems siloed process. No, it can't be my gut. That's not true. And it's like, well, actually, <laughs> the knee bone is connected to the hip bone. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it is all a system. And I will say I'm one of those people too. I actually never took any probiotics until we started this company and I started taking our own. But I never took them because I thought, I mean, I don't have any GI issues. I don't have any food sensitivities. I can eat anything. And so my gut is obviously healthy. But I will tell you this, that, you know, I started taking our product, which is for lowering, helping your body metabolize sugars and lowering your blood glucose spikes. And I wore a continuous glucose monitor, which had to like sneak in from Germany because I don't <laughs> actually have diabetes or pre-diabetes. But I put on this glucose monitor and I did a, a test on myself, which was to take either placebo pills or this formulation. And even for me, I'm, I don't have prediabetes or diabetes. I don't have any gut issues. I don't have any food sensitivities. I saw that when I was on the product that my sugar spikes and sugar crashes were all minimized. And the what I felt though, because I had that data of the continuous glucose monitor, but what I felt was better energy and I had stronger workouts. And so you can have a non-optimal gut that you don't even know is related to things that could be optimized, like your energy, your sleep, your mental acuity. But once you have the optimized gut, you can tell the difference. Oh, night and day. Absolutely. So how exactly did you find acromancia? How did you get into that? Yes. So Acromancia, which is a mouthful, actually, <laughs> its full name is Acromancia municipilla. This is a strain that kind of got discovered, you know, not that long ago when you think about the context of science and how long probiotics have been around. So 10 to 20 years ago, this thing got discovered for the first time. Probiotics have been on the shelf since 1970. So that just gives you a sense of like 60 years of probiotics. In the last decade, we just found this one strain. This strain, actually, there's over 2,000 publications around its role. It's the only strain that is known that lives literally in your gut lining. And we think about the gut lining sort of like a wooden fence. Many people have a wooden fence in their yard. When you move in, your wooden fence is perfect. It's got all these great planks. The Your neighbors don't see you. You don't see them. But what can happen over time through weather and aging and sun and rain is that those planks can start to weaken and maybe even fall. And then it's a really big problem. You got to replace your fence. Well, your gut lining is actually the same. You literally have these planks and there's glue between them called mucin. And acromancia's job all day and all night is to sit at that fence and make sure that the planks are strong and that the glue is strong and to strip the glue when it's getting old and to put new glue back on when it needs to replenish. And so it turns out to be very fundamental to all these things that we're talking about because if it's not there keeping that fence strong, it does result in things like GI issues, but more importantly, it can result in heightened inflammation, a reduced immune response, poor metabolism. And so it is a keystone strain that we discovered. Other people around the world have also discovered and done studies on it, but it's really emerging as a keystone strain. And for anybody who's done a gut microbiome test, you'll know that on page one, it calls out if you're low in acromancia because it's such a keystone strain. Okay. And so that was my actually another question is for a lot of people who have done any kind of stool test or GI test where they will actually look at the microbes. Obviously there's different 
I should clarify for people listening, there are different levels to stool testing. If you went to a foreign country and you have diarrhea and you come back in your local hospital, they're just testing you for E. coli, Giardia, and a few others. But if you want really these, you know, important strains and a lot more, several pages of information, you're going to have to do a much more in-depth functional stool test. Uh, You truly do poop in a cup for science. You're going to get a lot of information. So my question is that with how accurate are these stool tests that are checking for acromancia is, is the shedding stool where you would find levels and that's how we figure it out? Yeah. I mean, this is sort of stool is a proxy or a kind of indicator of what's happening inside your gut microbiome. And there are a wide variety of stool tests to choose from. It can sometimes be hard to select, but I think there are essentially two categories of the way they do stool testing. One is DNA sequencing based and one is qPCR based. And the difference in those is actually the kind of data that you're going to get. So it sort of depends on what you're looking for. So the DNA sequencing tests are like you're looking at a forest and you want to know how many different kinds of flora are there here, approximately, you know, what's the highest, what's the lowest. And so it gives you a really comprehensive picture of your forest. The qPCR based ones are like, I want to know how many four-leaf clovers are in this forest. (laughs) It doesn't tell you about all the other things in there, but it tells you very precisely how many four-leaf clovers are in that forest. And so if you you know exactly what you're looking for, you want to know your levels of X, Y, or Z, the qPCR-based tests are the way to go. If you want to understand what is my overall picture of my gut health, am I systematically missing any big things and functions, then these DNA sequencing-based tests are the way to go. Okay. And then if somebody listening, maybe it doesn't fit in their budget or they live in an area where they can't find a practitioner who does these tests. I'm assuming, is there any downside to taking acromancia? Is it relatively okay for people to start like a probiotic and see how they do? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it is a probiotic. And so it's, I used to call all of our things microbiome interventions because I didn't want them to be kind of bucketed with other probiotics because they're totally different strains. But At the end of the day, it is a probiotic, which is just a bacterial strain, and it exists in very high levels in healthy people. So a healthy person can have between one and 5% of their entire gut microbiome is all this acromancia. So you can't really, I think, go wrong by trying it. And I would say this too, which is that one of the important things is that a lot of people take probiotics or drink kombucha or eat yogurts because they think they're doing something healthy for their body. And my challenge is, if you don't feel something on the other side taking the probiotic, it might not be doing anything for you. So I would say, take a test. If you don't want to take a test, try the probiotic. And if you don't feel anything after night, I would say give it a 90-day challenge. If you don't feel anything after 90 days, you don't have to keep taking it. But if you do, you'll know. Yeah, well, and actually one of the things, and this is something that's so unique to your company, is the delivery system, right? When you're trying to get a probiotic of some sort through the stomach acid of your stomach into the intestines, maybe even all the way down to, you know, of course, the large intestines, which is the goal, it just may not get there. It may just sort of flutter out to the wind or get knocked out or get acidified and and eaten up and be gone. So with acromancy in particular, I know being, like I said, anaerobe, so it doesn't like oxygen. It was quite a story getting it created, grown in a capsule into the gut so that it can do its thing. Yes, it is. And this is something that I think will sort of be important for all the next generation probiotics that get created that are coming out of the gut microbiome because the gut microbiome is actually located in your distal colon. And a lot of the probiotics are on the shelves right now. So if you look at labels, there's a lot of lactobacillus and bifidobacterium. They exist kind of, if you think about like you have your stomach and then you have your GI tract. So just on the other side of the stomach, a lot of these these lactobacillus and bifidobacterium strains are there. 
you keep traveling down the intestines and you get to the distal colon, that's where the gut microbiome is. And it turns out that as you travel down to the distal colon, there is no oxygen there. There is no oxygen there. And all these strains are living and have evolved to grow without oxygen. And so you take them out of their home environment and then you try to grow them in our environment. It turns out they don't like that. They die. And so When we first started trying to manufacture these strains, and it's not just us, every microbiome company that has tried to grow these sort of innovative next generation strains had to build their own manufacturing plant because you have to create a plant that has an end-to-end, entirely closed system where no oxygen can get into it. And then at the end of that, you kind of freeze dry these strains. You you grow them, like if anybody's ever been to a brewery or or, or a vineyard, you see these big metal vats. That's kind of what we do. We grow our strains in these big metal vats, and then we separate the bacterial cells from the media. And then those cells, you can freeze dry them and they become a powder. And then they're very stable. And so then you can put them in a pill. We put them in a pill that has this enteric coating, which allows it to get through the stomach acid and to the distal colon, where then it finally opens up and allows these, it dissolves and allows these strains to come to life. It's an extra expense, but it gets the stuff to where you need to get to. That's amazing. And I think, you know, this is a question for a lot of people because sometimes you go, let's say to your health food store and you will see probiotics on the shelf. You will see probiotics in the refrigerated section. You will see signs that are, we'll talk about, oh, because of this particular blister pack or this particular coating, it will get in to the, in the, to the down into the colon or the intestines better. And it causes a lot of confusion. I've had a lot of patients over the years say, well, how do I even know it's working? And so I was listening last week to your interview on Dr. Kara Fitzgerald podcast and explaining how you like built this, built the building <laughs> from scratch and all that went into it. And I don't think people realize it's not as simple as grow a probiotic, throw it in a double O capsule and put it on the shelf. It is really involved, kind of expensive. And that's why it works. I know. I have to tell you that to be totally honest, I didn't know it was going to be like, I thought it was going to be what you just said, like grow probiotic, slap it in a capsule, call it a day. If I had, it's like having children. If I had known ahead of time that there's going to be all this stuff, I would have maybe thought twice about it, but you kind of take the challenges as they hit you. And that ended up being one that we didn't know we were going to run into, but you're right. You kind of put in the effort to figure out how do I keep these things really viable and have them be totally functional when they and get them to the location they need to get to. And if you can solve all of those things for the person who's the end user, you feel a difference. Absolutely. Well, I do want to go back to the sort of the obesity, the blood glucose, because acromancy is known to increase GLP-1, which a lot of people have no idea what that means. But what some people do know is the popular weight loss drug that's out now, right? Ozempic or semaglutide and GLP-1 is attached to it. So there's that connection. But I want to just have you kind of go over all the ways that acromancy is really helping, again, with diabetes, prediabetes, glucose regulation, obesity, beyond just supporting being a keystone species that's helping keep the wood paneling on your fence. Yes. So besides keeping the wood paneling on your fence, it actually, acromancy produces all these different proteins, which are signals for stimulating GLP-1. And as you said, right now, Ozempic and things like that are very popular. These are GLP-1 analogs. So they're things that look just like GLP-1s. And GLP-1s have been around for a long time. They used to be that you had to inject them in order for them to 
be delivered. And then they recently came out with these oral versions, which is much more pleasant. And the reason GLP-1 is important is because it's known to help your body regulate your insulin and glucose response. And so you, when people are on GLP-1s, they, you can see that you don't get such big glucose spikes after you eat a meal. This is important because all of us get glucose spikes when we eat meals or anything that has sugar in it. But the extent to which you have a spike and it takes your body, and basically what a glucose spike means is that you ingest sugar the sugar goes into your bloodstream and then your body goes to work on metabolizing the sugar and getting it into all the different cells that need it and including your brain and all your different organs. And so the amount of time that that sugar is just sort of sitting around in your bloodstream, not actually being delivered to the right place or to the right cells, the more problematic it becomes for you. And so as we age, actually, we know that it takes us longer to clear out. So this curve of like how long the glucose is in your system, it takes us longer and sometimes these spikes are higher. And certainly for pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes, that's actually the hallmark of having diabetes. And so kind of old school called the sugar disease. And so the issue is getting that GLP-1 molecule produced at the right time to tell your body, hey, there's a bunch of sugar around here, let's get rid of it. Some of the other benefits of GLP-1 that people have observed that are lesser known are related to actually brain signaling. And so you get a higher sense of satiety. In other words, you feel full more frequently when you're on GLP-1. That's one of the big things that actually leads to the weight loss is that you're just not as hungry. And so it has kind of these added benefits on top of just helping you have your appropriate insulin release. And so acromancia, and actually we have formulations where acromancia is the hero ingredient, but there's other strains that it works with because, you know, your microbiome is an ecosystem where these different strains work together. So we have these formulations where acromancia works with other strains to produce a small molecule called butyrate. And butyrate is pretty well known. You probably go to shelves and you see butyrate all over the place. Butyrate is well known because it can bind to these receptors that stimulate GLP-1. And so now there's publications showing that if you took acromancia, you can actually directly stimulate GLP-1. And so it's a natural way to stimulate this molecule that is known to help you metabolize your sugars better and actually known to help you with satiety. And one of the little factoids about, we'd had no idea about the satiety thing, and we didn't think about that with our products at all, but 70% of our customers who are on acromancia have reduced food cravings. And wow. so- it really is through this GLP-1 pathway. That's amazing. And one of the key things I was thinking as I was listening to you are that is perimenopausal and menopausal women. As we, I'm in my 40s. And so I have been saying for decades now, like, it's some, like I'm going to cure perimenopause. Hasn't happened yet. But what I do know is as we get older and lose that estradiol, that estrogen, it plays a big role, unfortunately, in the negative direction for our gut microbiome, and we become more insulin resistant. So the loss of that estradiol, and including progesterone, it, which is why we're often more prone to chronic disease, and of course, this, the weight increase around the middle, especially um, craving hunger. I have a lot of my menopausal patients who were like, I used to eat normally, and now I feel like I'm hungry all the time. We know it affects some of our hunger hormones, like ghrelin. And so this is just really interesting and exciting to hear. And I'm seeing it more, the menopause, perimenopause, menopause, and the microbiome tied together. Because before it was all about, oh, the ovaries, the ovaries, it's the ovaries, the ovaries. And I'm like, no, the system's bigger than that. It's like the microbiome plays a big role when we go through this whole transition. Unfortunately, our microbiome transitions too, and oftentimes for the worse. Yes, unfortunately, our microbiome does transition to for the worse. But the good news is you can actually replace <laughs> Yes. There's some opportunity to manage that. And I think that 
this thing about kind of metabolism changing over time, we don't need a doctor to like, you can wear a continuous glucose monitor or whatever, but we all experience our slowing metabolism. I know that there was a time where I could eat or drink whatever I wanted to, and it didn't matter. I never gained weight. And of course, those days are long gone. And it feels like every three or four years, there's like a new ration, like, okay, well, now you have to take in 200 less calories every day if you want to maintain, you know, looking like this and exercise, by the way, you know, twice as long. And so I think We all experience that. And to understand that actually you're losing these things that are helping you metabolize your food, I think is a key unlocked. So, and the fact that you can give them back to yourselves. And so we actually have a formulation that we just released in January, which is called Metabolic Daily. It contains acromancy in it. That's what I'm going to send to you. And it basically helps you metabolize sugars and carbs. So for all of us who look at sugar and feel bad... (laughs) Or look at sugar and then all of a sudden our hips got bigger. This is something that helps you metabolize sugars and carbs. And the reason we have a harder time metabolizing those over time, one of them is this depleted microbiome. So we're just giving people back. It's a group of five different microbes. We're giving them back. They work together and they just help this metabolism and just help boost it for people. And the cravings, that's the other big part that I think a lot of people walk around feeling guilty for eating things that they know they're not supposed to or feeling guilty, you know, why can't I control my cravings? And it turns out that your microbiome is linked to your brain. It produces dopamine, it produces serotonin, and actually it changes your cravings. And so you can also try to regulate that. It's and Which is mind-blowing. When I would read the research about cravings and our gut microbiome, talking to the brain and vice versa, I think it would really just help quite literally ease a lot of people's stress when they are like, oh my gosh, all I do is crave sugar all the time or I crave whatever, comfort food. And it's literally their microbiome is talking to them, is telling them this. Yeah. The relationship between the gut and the brain is fascinating. I mean, I told you that I started my career trying to develop drugs for Parkinson's disease. It turns out that you don't just have neurons in your brain, you also have neurons in your gut. And so you might be wondering like, why the hell do you have neurons in your gut? What are they doing there? And there really is this cross communication between the neurons in your gut and the neurons in your brain. And the amazing part is that the neurons in your brain, we all know this, like you shouldn't drink a lot because it kills your brain cells and they never come back. Well, in your gut, that's not true. They're constantly turning over and replenishing. And so you do have a chance to kind of make it all better in your gut. And what people have found is that these plaques that are part of the hallmarks of Parkinson's and Alzheimer's that show up in your brain, your neuronal cells they actually show up in your gut neurons first. And so the new hypothesis is we've been focusing so much on the brain for these neurodegenerative diseases when really it could be that it starts in the gut and these neurons in your gut start to have misfirings and missignalings that then send that signaling to your brain and change your brain neuronal cells. And so if you could fix the gut neurons, you might be able to, it might be a totally new target for things like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. That is absolutely amazing and mind-blowing to think about, especially because, I mean, it's my understanding the microbiome, it can turn over, can fix itself, can as far as the microbes go, in a matter of 12 to 48 hours, maybe 72 hours. This isn't years that we're talking. No, if you have a, if inflammation, if you have loss of mucosa, if you have, there's, that might take a little longer, but the actual microbes themselves are very react, they're very responsive, I should say, very quickly. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, well, it varies. Some of them grow more easily. Some of them don't. It depends on your ecosystem. It literally is like a garden where, you know, if you've ever planted things, I don't have a green thumb at all. Everything I plant like does not survive. We have a yard full of succulents because they don't have any that's what I, yeah, that's me. <laughs> but if you are actually have a green thumb and know what you're doing and you have this garden with all these different plants, then you'll know that 
you know, if you plant something in the right place with the right other flora and fauna, it can grow very rapidly. If you try to plant it in a place where it doesn't have the right kind of partners around it or the right ecosystem, it can take a really long time. And so for different people, this really is a personalized medicine. For different people, different strains might grow more or less easily in your fauna. And the whole name of the game is understanding, you know, what is my starting point and how do I get the really rich diversity of this garden in my gut that's going to help me be healthy on a wide variety of fronts? Well, and so speaking of diversity, I've also heard you talk about other sort of food-based things like inulin and polyphenols. And I was wondering if you would touch on that as well. Yeah, the nutrition and the microbiome are like two parts of the same thing. And I think about this like a car, which is that if you put the top end fuel into a shitty car, it doesn't really all of a sudden give you a high-performing vehicle. So (laughs) what you need is both the great fuel as well as a top-tier engine. And so the fuel is your nutrition, the food that you're eating, and the engine is your microbiome. And if you can get both of those finely tuned, then you've got this high-performing vehicle. And so the kinds of things that are really good for your microbiome and really good for growing all these different strains are things that you have control over because of the things you're ingesting. And so things that are high in inulin, so like asparagus, Jerusalem artichokes, these are things that are really good for feeding your beneficial gut microbes. Polyphenols, which you can find in things like pomegranates, green tea, chocolate, and red wine. You heard it here first. <laughs> these, are, these are good for our microbiome. These are all actually really great to feed. This is the food that actually feeds those bugs so that they can really grow. My gosh. See, that's amazing. And let me talk, inulin is another one. So will you explain what inulin is for people who don't know what inulin is? And every time I think of inulin, I think of like jicama, you know, the vegetable. I was re- a lecturing at a conference and they had snack plate out in the, the breaks and they had carrots, celery and jicama and every break, the attendees who were newer to functional medicine, they ate all the carrots, they ate all the celery and they did it the jicama. And so it was, I was a lecturer later in the afternoon and I was lecturing about the gut microbiome and estrogen metabolism. And I explained that out in the hallway, the white thing was called jicama had all this inulin in it and is good for the microbiome. And by the next break, all the jicama was gone. <laughs> Everybody. Oh my gosh. <laughs> is that one of your favorite sources of inulin? Well, it's one of several, but because it happened to be, they happen to use that as a finger food. I thought it was really helpful for my lecture to talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, inulin is, to put it simply, it's a kind of fiber. And so everybody knows a high fiber diet is really good for us. It helps us with a a wide variety of GI issues, but it also feeds these bugs. And so it exists in a wide variety of fruits and vegetables, higher and lower levels and different things, but it's basically fiber. Which is so good. And then uh, butyrate, you mentioned butyrate earlier, and we can't end the podcast without talking about butyrate, mostly because in your products, which you have specific strains that help you produce butyrate as opposed to if you look on the shelf, sometimes you can just see on the ingredient label, it says butyrate. And I'm always just questioned, like, can the butyrate get all the way down there when it's just sitting in a double O capsule on the shelf? I don't know about that, but maybe it can. I just don't know enough. Yeah. There's so many amazing studies about butyrate and its benefits that have been done in the lab and in animal models. And somehow that pure butyrate delivery has not translated into people. And I agree with you. It's a delivery problem. It's like, so all of your colon cells, they're really different from the rest of the cells in your body. All the cells in your body use glucose as their form of energy. Colon cells use butyrate as their form of energy. And so they all want butyrate because that's what your colon cells thrive off of. And so I think about it like, if I was going to give you a million dollars, would you rather I knocked on your door and handed it to you in a briefcase and said, here's your million dollars, 
Or would you rather I called you and said, hey, I just spread it all over 101. (laughs) And of course, you'd rather have it hand delivered to you because you know that if a million dollars was spread all over Highway 101, all the cars would pull over and grab those dollar bills before you got a chance to show up and collect your money. And that's literally the issue with delivering butyrate. So you take this pill, it's got butyrate in it. It's got all the dollar bills in it. And all along the way, before it gets to the receptor that you're trying to get it to, every... Well, it's just taking dollars out of this thing. And so you have this delivery problem. And that's why delivering the microbes, getting them to the gut microbiome, nobody's grabbing those guys along the way. So getting them to the gut microbiome, getting them positioned where they need to be, they actually generate the butyrate and they're sitting right next to the receptor. So it really is handing the suitcase of butyrate right to the receptor that then gives you all the benefits of butyrate. And there are a lot of benefits of butyrate. I read more and more, especially as an anti-inflammatory response for maybe people don't know, but the majority of your immune system is down there in your gastrointestinal tract and butyrate has in its effect on the colonocytes and just in general has quite an anti-inflammatory help to the body. And so no, granted, there are a lot of studies in animal models, but really exciting when I saw your products on the strains for to support butyrate. It just got me really hopeful <laughs> when I'm reading. Exactly. And you're making a great point about the immune response, which I think we don't, is a super complicated system that I remember learning in school and being like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to do immunology. This is the worst. (laughs) You can't get away from it, right? The immune response is like pivotal to so many things in our health, but butyrate does play an important role in it. In fact, you've probably seen some of these studies coming out talking about COVID-19, the long effects of COVID-19, the vaccine and the efficacy of it, and how it's tied into the microbiome and having the right microbes which includes butyrate producers, can really help you with some of those downside effects and actually can impact the efficacy of vaccines. And so I think there's just a lot we're still going to learn about this, but definitely the immune system is tied into all of this. And that's what's exciting about the research on the microbiome is that while we have come a long way, we have a long way to go. So we're just going to keep discovering cooler and cooler stuff as we go through the years. So I just really appreciate you coming on today because this is so critically important. I know people have a lot of questions. I know people, like I said in the beginning, have done some sort of stool test where they've heard of GLP-1 because of Ozempic or they have a lot of inflammation, autoimmune, et cetera. And so to really come on and pick your brain, I just so appreciate it. And I want to leave people with how can they find you? Where can they learn about this? Where can they try it for themselves? Absolutely. Well, you can come to our website, pendulumlife.com. We have a lot of resources on there just to learn about the microbiome and what are these bugs doing. And if you want to nerd out, we've got all the stuff for you to nerd out on on the website. And you can get access to all of our products there. Acromancy, which we've talked about here, Metabolic Daily, which helps you metabolize your sugars and carbs. It has Acromancia in it. And you can apply Root 20 in the checkout to get your discount, 20% off your first bottle of membership. And then we also sell all of our products on Amazon. So if you prefer to throw it in your basket on Amazon, you can go do that too. Amazing. So pendulumlife.com and the coupon code for listening to the Root Cause Medicine podcast is Route 20. Oh my gosh, Dr. Colleen, thank you so much for being on today. I really just appreciate it. And you've just been a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask before you go. If you love today's conversation, would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? My whole goal is education. 
So positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing. I so appreciate it. And I'll catch you on the next episode.